Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. And today we're going to talk about uh, the fourth, fourth teaching on this, winning wars with worship. Winning wars with worship. And we're going to look at the story of Jehoshaphat. That's a long name. That's a hard name. I might just call him King Jay by the end. But... Uh, but this is a really powerful, powerful story, and I really believe that God is going to stretch us and challenge us today because we're going to talk about uh, some spiritual warfare. And I know right up front when we start to talk about worship, a lot of us just kind of disqualify ourselves. We're like, well, I don't really have a good quality voice, and, and I don't really sing, and that's not for me. But that's not what it's about. God has called each and every one of us to be worshipers, and he has given access to this spiritual weapon that allows us to to experience incredible freedom and breakthrough when we take hold of it, not just corporately, but in our own place. And I really believe that God wants to impart something, that we would be a people of praise and worship. The Bible says, we have to take heed to this, the Bible says that we, we fight not against flesh and blood. You know, it's easy to like quote these things, we say it a lot, but like the reality is that's, that's a powerful truth. It says we fight against evil powers and dominions of darkness of the unseen world. I know that the spirit world is real because I've been born again of the spirit. I went from a drug addict to a pastor, and it's only because the spirit lives inside of me. I don't know how exactly that all works, but I know I've been changed. And so there is a battle, God says, that, that is not able to be seen with the natural eye. But the good news is, is that God gives us spiritual weapons to fight in this battle. You can't fight with earthly weapons. And so he gives us things like prayer and fasting, and he gives us the power of worship and praise. And that's what we're going to see in this story. God is going to do another divine ruse through the power of worship, where his people, when you worship, you take a position where you say, my Lord is going to fight the battle for me. It's the most beautiful thing ever, and there's something that takes place in the spirit when you begin to worship over the impossible, because the enemy, listen to me, the enemy wants to paralyze you with fear, with discouragement, with stress, with anxiety, with hopelessness, and we find ourselves in these places overwhelmed, but God has given us this glorious weapon that we begin to sing praises unto God, and we begin to worship him from a pure heart. These things begin to break off of us. Even this week, God <laughs> took me through my own personal lesson again on this with my second Holy Spirit, my wife, telling me to do it. As I'm going through heaviness this week and just saying, oh, here it comes, and she's like, you got to fight. This is what you're talking about. And you got to get, and you know, you just start worshiping alone, just giving praise to God. And all of a sudden, man, it's like this stuff just starts breaking off of you. And there's just, there's just... There's so much that, that comes against, and, and worship has been built in to, to be a, um, a weapon that God wants us to use. And let me just share this before we even get into this, because the reality is we can't even engage in this and, and worship without an understanding real quick of just that all victory, everything starts with Jesus. So I just want you to understand that, that the reason we can worship and the reason why we have a song of praise is because Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of light. We were once dead to sin, but now we are alive to Jesus Christ. No matter what it looks like, we have a position of victory. And so in Christ, we are called to practice what our position is. He calls us to take hold of what is true about us, which is victorious people. And there's an example I just remembered that God uh, gives me in, in regards to the victory of Christ and us. 
Because of your union with Christ, when you become in union with Christ, in relationship with Jesus, you have the victory that he possesses. Everything that Jesus has gets transferred to you. And uh, the Lord, years ago, I think I've shared this once before, but it's been a while. The Lord, years ago, showed me um, how a runner finishes a race, right? You ever notice how a runner finishes a race? He never, runs, he never finishes with his chest first. He doesn't finish with his finger first. He finishes with his head first. Because where the head goes, the body follows, and in the Bible, we are called a spiritual body. And, where, and Jesus is the head. And where Jesus goes, we follow with him. So when Jesus crosses over from death into life, we who are in relation with Jesus cross over from death into life. When he has power over sin and death, we too have power over sin in our life. When he is raised in victory with authority, we too have that victory and authority in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to talk, look at a story of King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles, I want you to turn with me there. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I want to talk about the power of worship, winning wars with worship. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Every one of us is born to be triumphant in Christ. Whether or not you recognize it, whether or not you know him, that's the reality of what God has created you for, to be triumphant in Christ. Every one of us was created to be able to expand the territory and the kingdom of God. Every one of us was given a sphere of influence which God wants us to have an impact over. And like I said before, the way we fight in this, though, is through spiritual weapons of worship and praise. And we're going to look at a story of a king. And, and I want to, I want to set, this, set the stage this way. The Old Testament provides prophetic pictures for the New Testament believer. And what I mean by that in particular with battles is this. In the Old Testament... When the fall of man took place, we know that this world became a fallen and broken place. And the story, one of the major themes that runs through the entire Bible is that God is reestablishing his kingdom on earth. And we see that ultimately that, that's pointing to Jesus and ultimately we, we long for and, we, and we, we wait for when Jesus comes back to fully establish that kingdom, the new heaven and new earth. But in the process of pointing to Jesus, God started with the Israelites and when he chose the Israelites, understand this, it's deeper than just this physical thing. God was establishing this kingdom of light, this people that would be a beacon of hope to the rest of the nation so that when they saw Israel and their relationship with God, it would ultimately point them to have a relationship with Yahweh. And so you have to understand that this is why the Jews have been a persecuted people because it's bigger than just physical. They have a calling on their life from the beginning to be a chosen nation to establish the kingdom of God. That's why they're still persecuted to this day. In the New Testament, we know that Jews and Gentiles have been grafted in. But I, I share that because we too now... We too now have been brought into this story as a New Testament believer. And when you read through these battles of the Old Testament, it's a picture of what we face as well. As there's a kingdom of light, and we are meant to carry and expand it, and there's a kingdom of darkness that comes, against, that comes against us. And so here we have Jehoshaphat, who is a good king. He follows, he follows in the way of David. And uh, he honors the Lord, and he goes through these, these reforms where, really, they're experiencing revival in the land. He has, sets up priests to go to households and teach the law, and he sets up other priests to serve as judges. And everything he has to do goes back to, to God and the Word of God. And, of course, because of that, there is an enemy that comes against him. It's bigger than we see in the, in the natural. And this enemy is the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Moonites. A lot of ites. <laughs> And this is a vast and formidable army that comes against Jehoshaphat. And when they come against him, 
By the time he finds out about this, they're already, they're already close by. And I want to just share, I want to share a few things as we get into this aspect of worship and how powerful it is in our personal lives. Jehoshaphat, this entire story is going to show us patterns that lead us into praise. I really want you to lean into this. God wants to, I think, impart us uh, something of, of being equipped to fight these battles in our life. And listen to this, starting in verse 3 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says this, it says, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. All right, so let's just stop, stop here. There's some good principles to learn here. It says that he was alarmed, or in certain translations, it says Jehoshaphat was afraid. So there are things in life, and you've certainly experienced it, where when you are confronted with it, it initially at least strikes you with fear. That's not the problem. The problem is what do we do once we have that, that contact of fear? And for Jehoshaphat, he teaches us that he takes that and he allows that to drive him to the Lord and to inquire of the Lord. This is not a bad thing. This is not, man, I got to go to God. This is we have the glorious hope that when we face circumstances in our life that are too big and overwhelming for us, as a believer in Christ, we have the opportunity to go and seek the Lord for his counsel, for his power, and for his help. And so it says that he, he, he uh, resolved to inquire of the Lord is how it's worded. He was firmly determined. He, he purposed himself to seek after God. Before he ever musters up an army, before he ever does anything else, Jehoshaphat goes and seeks the face of God. It's the most basic but life-changing principle if we would just actually, we always want to have weightier teachings. If we could just get this principle, that when we find ourselves in these situations, our first response is we seek the face of God. Jehoshaphat is not just looking for a breakthrough. He's not just looking to get out of this. He's looking for the will of God to take place in his life and in this season of their life. And so here it picks up. Jehoshaphat is seeking the Lord, He's inquiring of the Lord. He puts his face before God, and he calls an assembly together. That's what it says in verse 5. And starting in verse 6, as he has all of Judah and Jerusalem come together by the temple, listen to what he says. There's a pattern here. First he seeks the Lord, and now he does this. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God... Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. So here's Jehoshaphat. He inquires of the Lord. He puts his face before God. And here's what he does in this assembly of people. He begins to recall the faithfulness of God. He begins to remember all that God has done. Why? Because God forgot? No, no. This is a powerful principle for us to understand when we find ourselves in these situations that are too big for us. He begins to recall all the things that God has done for them. He reminds them of the covenant of Abraham. He reminds them of the prayer of Solomon when they dedicate the temple. And he does this to encourage the people. Why? Because we are so prone to forget what God has done for us. That's why in the Old Testament, there's this interesting command of remember. 
Over and over again, God says, remember, remember the Lord your God as you come up out of the wilderness into the promised land. Why? Because it is our natural instinct that as we become blessed and as we become prosperous and as things start to go well, we begin to drift from God. And so here Jehoshaphat, he, he recalls, he, he seeks the face of God, and then he begins to recall the faithfulness of God before the people. Psalm 119.24, David says, your testimonies are my counsel. Literally, God's testimonies in your life, they provide a counsel. They instruct you. They encourage you. They guide you. And so here, this is what Jehoshaphat is doing. And let me pick it up in verse 12. As all the people are surrounded here, he inquires the Lord. He recalls God's faithfulness. And then it says in verse 12, he says, Our God, will you not judge them, meaning the armies that are coming against them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Listen to this. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children, little ones, stood there before the Lord. Man, there's just such richness in this, of the simplicity of what God calls us to. They said, we don't know what to do. This army's too great for us. This situation is too big for us. But our eyes are fixed on you. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know really which way to turn. I don't know what plan to implement. But all I know one thing is my eyes are going to stay fixed on you. And if you picture this scene in verse 13, it says, all of the men of Judah, their wives and children, are all here together. If you can imagine this, this army is barreling down on them. Jehoshaphat has this whole nation, or, or Judah at least, comes together. They begin to, to speak out the faithfulness of God. And then it says, with all of the families there, they stood there before the Lord. That's an expression that's used often in the Old Testament to simply mean that they waited. They waited, and I love that because they weren't just going through a routine of, okay, when things don't go well, I go in and jump in for a five-minute prayer, and then I get out, and I keep moving on. No, they stood before the Lord with their families, with an army coming after them, and they waited because they understood they can't move unless they receive a word from God. This wasn't about just doing a checklist. It was about connection. It's so important every day of our lives. We don't just go through devotion in our life. When we spend time with the Lord, we, we, we wait on him. We have to make contact with him or else there's, all we've done is a, is a religious discipline. It's about contact with Jesus. And so they wait, and they wait for a word. And what did you know? In verse 14, if you can picture this as they recall the faithfulness, and then there's maybe just a silence that hushes over this, and they wait and stand before God, and then it says, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a man by the name of Jehazel, and he rises up, and he begins to speak a word over them. And this word is going to be a word of hope that they're going to hold on to. And listen to what it says here. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, as Jehazel steps up, he says this, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Listen to that, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. 
Let me tell you, this is so important, this word that they received. They inquired of God, they recalled his faithfulness, and then they wait on him. And God in his faithfulness brings a word that is going to encourage them and carry them into this, into this battle. Scriptures say we don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. It's his word. This is so important. We can't in these moments just do a routine and get out. It's his word that sustains us. It's his word that has created us. It's his word that sustains us. And therefore, we need this word. And anytime the word of God comes and touches a man's life, you see it in the, word, in the Bible, that man's life or that woman's life, the trajectory of their life is changed forever. And so they understand the importance of we need to hear from God. And sure enough, God raises up this prophet and speaks to them. And here's, here's what I love. Bill Johnson shares, not on this particular scripture, but just in general. I've shared it with some people. If you notice, God says some beautiful truths. He says, this battle, you're not going to have to fight. This battle, you're just going to take up your position. You're going to watch me fight. And if you notice in the scriptures, there are times where God, there are times in the scriptures where God will say, okay, you're going to go and do this battle right? But it's still God working through us, but he says, you're going to fight this. And then there's other times where God says, now I'm just going to have you stand right here, just take up your position, and I'm going to fight this for you. And Bill Johnson was talking about this, and it so blessed me. He said, there's a reason why. There's two, there's two things God wants us to know. When he asks us to fight these battles, he wants us to know the authority we possess with Christ inside of us. And then when he tells us to stand and watch him fight, it's because he wants us to know the inheritance we have as the sons and daughters of the king. And so now he says, basically what he's saying is when God says, hey, you just stand here. All you got to do is worship me and I'm going to fight for you. What God is saying is, I want, I want you to know, I want you to know who your daddy is. I want you to know who your father is. You stand right here and I'm going to take care of this. And you're going to know that you're a son of the king. And so in this battle, God tells him, listen, you're not going to have to do a single thing. You're going to take up your position, but you're going to understand who your father is. I'm going to fight this battle for you. You're simply just going to worship. And wouldn't you know, when they receive this word, this promise, it says in the next two verses that Jehoshaphat and the people fell on their face and began to worship. I love that. This was supposed to be a crisis meeting. It turned into a worship service because they received a promise from God, and they gave more weight to the promise than they did to the problem. And therefore, there was a praise that began to ring up inside of their hearts as they realized God is for them, God is with them, and God is not a man that he should lie. When he speaks, he always fulfills. When, when he promises, he always does it. And so they cling to this promise as they head into battle. And here's what it says. And by the way, if, 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 Jehoshaphat, if Jehoshaphat could hold to a promise, how much more can we in Christ Jesus that every promise in God is yes in Jesus Christ? We have all the more reason to be a people of praise. And so in 2 Chronicles, moving in verse 20, as they received this promise, listen to this. It says, early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. If you can picture this battle scene, this army is too great for them. They've acknowledged that. This, this, this situation is too big for them. And yet God's strategy for them is says, listen, 
We're going we're gonna to send you in the battle, and the worshipers are going to go out to head. Listen, I'm, I'm going to speak things in, in the spirit for a moment as we get into this. You need to understand this, that the power of worship, they're not going to fight. They're not even going to raise a sword. They're simply going to begin to glorify God in the midst of the impossible because God has given them a word, and they're going to hold to that word, and they begin to praise him. And someone needs to know that when that fear comes on you, I'm, actually, I need to hear this right now. <laughs> when that fear comes on you, when that worry comes on you, when, when, when that hopelessness comes on you, when that feeling of death and wanting to give it, when that suicidal thought comes on you, I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, he's given you a weapon of praise that you can begin to sing unto the Lord and begin to sing praises to him. And I promise you this, just stay there and begin to worship him in that sweet place with the Lord, and you will begin to feel the things breaking off of you. Because the word of God is true. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. I used to think this was nonsense even as a believer. Like, okay, I get it. That sounds cool. But no, no, no. There's re- when you wake up some morning with this heaviness, you have to understand like there's, there's something behind that. And the worship, man, just begins to shift things in the atmosphere. It's unbelievable. How it all happens, I don't know, but I know that God's word is true, and it happens in my life every time I begin to do it. And so their battle strategy, it says, is praise and worship. And the last thing you would expect Judah to be doing, far outnumbered, is going into battle praising. It should be a battle cry. Instead, they hear a worship service moving towards this this vast army. And we've shared this, this point many times, but it's through, it's through all of these stories we've been talking about in this series that God gave them a word of victory before the battle. But I, I just, God keeps speaking this over and over and over again. He didn't say, hey, go into the battle and I hope you're going to make it out. But he said, you will have victory. I'm going to fight this for you. And because of that, you can go into it singing and praising him. They didn't wait to sing till after the victory. They sang going into the battle. They, they praised him as they went into the battle because they knew his promise was greater than that problem. That, that is a whole nother level of faith that God, God in his grace wants to take us to. Remember, not just praying through, saying, God, do this, do this, but when God speaks it, then we say, thank you, God, for doing it. I don't see it yet. The Passover feast, Jews were taken out of Egypt. God had them celebrate the Passover the night before they were taken out. They celebrated freedom while they were still in bondage. They celebrated freedom while they were still living in Egypt because God declared, tomorrow you will be free. And when he promises something, it always comes to pass. (laughs) There's such an aspect of victory in this. Verse 17, we read before, God says, go out and face them. I love that. You don't need a coward. You can go stand before that thing that stands in front of you, and you can begin to speak praises and worship over it because of the victory that you have in Christ Jesus. You don't need a coward. We don't need to, we don't need to step back. God has given us a spirit of power. It says a spirit of power that we can be victorious. And they, they face it. They face this enemy. And all throughout the Bible and the history of the church, We see God giving breakthrough to those that are willing to step out on his promises, to look at the impossible, and to begin to speak what God has spoken to them and begin to walk by faith. We see God give breakthrough to those people time and time again. And this praise that they have, I was thinking about this, this praise, it's not not panic praise. That's what I call it, right? For me, I'll... um, in these moments, I'll take take my worry and just put a little melody to it. (laughs) 
Like, God, where are you? <laughs> and you start singing this, and uh, this isn't panic praise. They're, 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 it says they're praising God for the holiness of his splendor. A splendor of his holiness, I'm sorry. I mean, this is, they're, they're engaged in just, it's just focusing on the goodness of God and what he's spoken over them. And the worshipers went out ahead of them as they did this. They were led by worship and not by worry. I tell you what, when I go in these battles, it's worry that wants to grip me. And I'm exhausted by the time I get there. But they're not led by warriors. They're led by worshipers. And I just picture this. Can you imagine the scene of all these men going out to battle against this army? And can you imagine them in the face of this impossible just singing? And they say, we give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Can you imagine that? Oh, we give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Can you imagine these men just stepping out to that? Oh, we give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And there's this army that literally wants to just annihilate them, and they're just going out there saying, we give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they're just beginning to praise him in the midst of the impossible. And you're seeing these things just break off. I, I believe it. I believe it's just the worry, the impossible is just breaking off. As they're just heading into battle, we give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they're just heading to victory. With every time they sing it, just confidence is just raising as they go in there. The power of worship. And this song that God gives them, God releases a song for the season. I want you to hear this. This is really, really important. They seek the face of God. They recall his faithfulness. God gives them a word, a promise. And as they begin to worship, God releases, God releases a song for them to sing that we give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. This was a song that God had released in this season. Ephesians 5.19, right before we get into Ephesians 6, which just happens to be spiritual warfare, at the end of Ephesians 5, it says that we are to be filled with the Spirit and to speak to one another singing psalms, hymns, and songs in the Spirit. Spiritual songs, what is that? That is those spontaneous songs that God releases to you. It could be an old song. It could be, a, it could be something fresh that God just gives you. But what I want to tell you is in seasons, as you seek him, as you recall his faithfulness, as you begin to wait and God speaks a word over you, God will release a song over you that has a special anointing and grace to begin to shift what's going on in your life at that time. I think, did you guys open up with that? Was that a song that you had written? You opened up worship with a song. Something about the joy? Just something, Lord, to put on your heart? Okay, it was a song. Well, it had touched me. <laughs> but there are times, there, there are times I know that our worship team, you ever notice it? We'll be worshiping, and God will give them a song. There's no lyrics for it. It's just something God puts in their heart, and they'll just sing it out. And I want, as a body, God is releasing a song for us right there that if you sing it, I believe there's a special authority, there's a special anointing and, and weight to that and grace that begins to break things that are going on in your life. And God wants to release songs. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been there where you just have a song stuck in your head and say, where is this from? I believe to take note of that. Take note of that. God gives that to you for a reason to sing. I, I was just talking to my mother uh, this morning about this, and she was sharing with me 
Man, it's so funny. When, when my grandmother passed away, her mom, she used to go to, um, she would drive every day to the, to, the, uh, to the hospital to visit her. And we knew she only had a little bit of time left. And God had, God had given her, I think it's a sons and daughters song, Give Me a Reason to Sing. Give me a reason to sing. And she said she would just, it would just come on her. And every time she would drive, she would just repeat that. Give me a reason to sing, Lord. And she would sing this. She said just like, this presence came and there was just this thought of just like, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And I want to encourage you that God will release these songs to you and to sing them because there's power in that. There's, there's, there's weight in that. I, I liken it to this. This is the, the illustration that God gave to me. I'm a World War II guy. I like to watch World War II. I was getting my fix this week watching Netflix. And uh, I was watching um, uh, an episode on resistance fighters and how the English played a big part in dropping off supplies and weapons to them as they were in occupied countries of Nazi Germany. And God would, uh, uh, God, well, that's where I'm going. But the English would drop these things. And, um, and the resistance fighters, these were their weapons to fight behind enemy lines. And the, the Bible gives us a picture that this world has fallen and he's, we're invading here, the kingdom of God, and God has put us here essentially fighting behind enemy lines, and God was showing me that he releases, he drops these weapons for us to fight with, these, these songs that he just, he just gives to us, and when we take them and we begin to use them, there is such power in them as we begin to take that song and just begin to worship God with it. And so they start worshiping, and I'll just close here in verse 22. It says, as they begin to sing and praise. Listen to this. As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Listen to this. I'm telling you, this is a picture of what happens in the spirit, that when we begin to worship and when we begin to sing that song back that God has given us, God begins in the spiritual, begins to set up ambushes and begins to move against the enemy. And it says that God caused confusion and that they actually began to attack themselves. That by the time these, this army got to them, all they saw were dead bodies. This was God's battle plan. You're simply going to walk and worship, and when you get there, the battle will already be won. And what God was sharing with me, though, is that there was a gap in between their praises and when they actually experienced the victory. And I believe, I don't know how it works, but I believe that there's sometimes times where there is a gap, it seems like. It almost seems like the natural has to catch up with the supernatural. But the moment you begin to praise, God begins to shift things that you can't even see. If we just say this, this is just nonsense, then listen, you'll find yourself stuck in these places and you'll just let the enemy have his, day, his way with you. But if we take hold of this truth that God gives us, the moment you begin praising, God starts moving. And it may be a, a week, a day, a year, who knows, but there is victory that's taking place when you do that. Listen to this. Listen to this verse. Listen to this verse in Isaiah. I'm just going to read it to you in Isaiah 31, 32 of the power of worship. This is, again, a prophetic word by, by Isaiah for us today. It says, the voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria, and with his rod he will strike them down. Every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. Did, did you catch what's happening there? It's a prophetic picture of God. Literally, it gives us this illustration of God striking blows with a rod to the enemy. And what's moving the enemy's hand is the harp and the timbrels. It is the worship 
of the people. And as they worshiped, God was striking blows in the supernatural to the enemy. In other words, there is a direct connection. Listen to me, stay with me. There's a direct connection between physical obedience and spiritual release. And when we begin to worship God in the physical, and God says, worship me with this song. When you begin to worship him, there's a spiritual release that takes place. Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts, in a dungeon. I would never want to go to prison, but especially not in these times. They're in a dark dungeon, chained up. And it says they begin to worship God. They begin to sing praises to him in that place. And you know what happens? An earthquake begins to to take place and it says there begins to be shaking and and the prison doors begin to break open and then it says that their shackles were set were broken no you know what it says actually everyone's shackles were broken off every prisoner's shackles were broken off listen he was here to hear let him hear what god is saying when you worship like that The power and presence of God falls. It not only sets you free and breaks change in your life, but those around you begin to experience that same freedom. And so when they come to this battle of just a bunch of dead people, the only thing there is to take possession of what God has won for them. And it says that there was plunder. There was plunder for them to take. Three days worth. Do you know that in in warfare, especially in these times, there was always spoils to warfare. Whichever the, whatever king won, he was able to take spoils. And there are spoils to spiritual warfare. That as you engage in those worship sets and as you pray and as you seek God, when that, when that thing, that heaviness, whatever it is, comes on you, there is, there is spoils that come if you fight that battle. There is a, a peace that surpasses understanding that will begin to flood you. There is a joy that is indescribable. There is a love, a reassurance of God's love that will just begin to wash over you. You'll see the fruit of the Spirit begin to manifest itself more and more in your life. There is spoils from the warfare that we fight in the Spirit. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.